Welcome everybody to the second episode of the Dreamer Diary. Again, my name is Chris and today's topic we are going to be talking about something that is not only relevant to the Dreamer undocumented community, but it's relevant to I would have to say pretty much anybody listening to this podcast. And the and and the topic that we're going to be discussing is going to be mental health and all the things related to that as it pertains to my personal experience being undocumented. One of the things that I realized was mental health is not something that is constantly or frequently talked about, um, especially as you're talking with older generations and younger generations and how we're going about navigating the undocumented experience. All too often, it's not something that is discussed in a healthy way. In a lot of cases, people suppress how they really feel, what, what they're really thinking, and in, you know, the more extreme cases, you know, people, you know, you know, commit suicide or, or engage in, in things that are very destructive or, or harmful. And so these elements are things that are going to be talked about in today's podcast, which is why I decided to label this podcast, Living Without Papers Feels Like Gasping for Insatiable Air. Because... For the entirety of my life, that's pretty much what it felt like. It felt like I was trying to breathe and there's just no air to fill my lungs. So to start, to really kick off today's podcast, I wanted to introduce you to one of my favorite movies. Uh, if there's anything that you'll learn about me, it's that I like movies that get you to think. Um, I'm very much the kind of person that likes to think outside of the box whenever possible. And this movie just kind of was one when I saw it in my youth. I was really impacted by it. And that movie is V for Vendetta. Uh, it's, you know, very much a quasi-political, um, you know, uh, movie with elements of, of kind of what I'm going to be talking today. Um, and so specifically in this movie, there is a scene where Natalie Portman's character, Evie Hammond, is let out of prison. Uh, out of a prison cell where she was held. She was tortured and she was constantly being threatened with death. And as she walks out of the prison cell um, in her final interview with her, um, with the people that were detaining her, um, they asked her like if she was afraid to die. And, and she says, you know, do your worst, basically. I'm not afraid to die. And so she was let out of a room where she was being interrogated. And so as she left that room and entered into another room that room had it, it she rem, it, it reminded her of something she had already been in before a room that she had been in before previously and she was per, perplexed by it and in the movie in the scene you can see how she's trying to make sense of what is going on and she just can't she's kind of confused as to why she was in that room that she had been in before after having gone through this experience of where she was tortured, her hair was was cut off, um, she was held, and you know she was threatened with death. And at this moment, the male protagonist, who you know wears who wears a, a guy fox hat or a mask, uh, V enters the room to explain that he had actually taken her captive in the prior scene, and that he had done it for her own good. And Evie, upon hearing this, enters into a state of shock or panic she's her breathing she can't control it she starts to to try to make sense of it all but it's all coming to her all at once and she entered into what i would consider to be a panic attack right an attack just 
in general. And it isn't until, you know, V starts to calm her down where she's able to kind of recollect herself, think, you know, gather her thoughts. And, you know, when she goes outside, when V takes her outside to the roof to get some, some fresh air, you know, she feels the raindrops on her face. And she just kind of realizes in that moment that she had undergone something transformative. Now, the reason I share this with you is because I had a similar experience because my experience in finding out that I was undocumented was very much like this scene, only that I continue to still live with the emotions that accompany the undocumented experience despite having earned my citizenship. So to me, finding out that I was undocumented at the age of 18 felt like the air was being taken out of my lungs. I mean, just imagine thinking your whole life that you were a certain person and in reality, you're not. What would that do to you? What would you think of yourself? How would that change your world? Right? And so these are the kind of things that, that I had to think through and kind of go through as I was going through this experience of trying to understand what it meant to be an undocumented person in the United States. The trauma of this experience affected me in many ways. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I had difficulties focusing. I had a constant panic of fear that engulfed my every thought. To me, it was like living in a dark box with little to no light. I struggled with my identity. I always questioned, was I Mexican? Was I American? Am I Mexican-American? Or am I an American person who happens to be Mexican? It was difficult to comprehend that even though I felt as American as anyone else in my heart, on paper, I did not. It, it didn't make sense to me that I was being punished for something that I did not do. I mean, I was brought over to the United States when I was an, inf an infant. I was around six months old, give or take. And yet the moment that I turned 18, if I broke the law for whatever reason, I could be deported back to a place that had never been to. A place that I only knew because of the telenovelas that my mom would watch as a kid. At this point in my life, my Spanish was horrible, and to think that if I made one wrong move, I would go back for at least 10 years. And to me, that was not fair. Where was the justice for someone like me? So I began to feel feelings of anger, hatred, frustration, at the thought of not being able to pursue the things that I wanted to do in my life. My relationship with my parents deteriorated because I struggled with the idea that at 18, they were okay with me still being undocumented. I resented them for keeping my status hidden from me. They prefer to live in hiding than to go and do something for my older sister and me. I mean, for myself, my dreams at that time were I wanted to go off to college and be on my own, but I couldn't do that. I wanted to backpack through, through Europe but I couldn't do that. I wanted to start a business, but I couldn't do that. You see, in high school, I ran track and played American football. And there were a couple of schools, believe it or not, that were looking at me and they were wanting to recruit me. And so because of NCAA rules at the time and also because I had no money, there was no way for me to go to any of these schools that, that were looking at me so that I could play sports. 
I was also encouraged to attend uh, a couple of tech schools. One, uh, one of them is called Universal Technical Institute, UTI. The other one is called WyoTech in Wyoming. And these are tech schools for aspiring automotive professionals. Um, and because of my interest in, in high school uh, and the many classes that I had taken regarding cars and how to fix cars and all that stuff, you know, I grew a natural interest into trying to pursue these as avenues or vehicles for my professional development. However, I couldn't go due, due to a lack of financing. So after talking with my parents and talking to professionals, lawyers, and so, so forth, the only glimmer of hope that I had for any type of future in the United States was for a lot of change or for me to marry a, a U.S. American citizen. And even then, nothing was guaranteed. I mean, one thing that is seldomly talked about is the psychological traumas that dreamer children, and I guess by extension, the undocumented community experience. I mean, it is easy to, it is really easy to put yourself in a dark place mentally. There were periods um, where I thought suicide was the only answer. And so my story, this is where it takes an interesting turn. Because I am not the type of person to dwell on negative thoughts. Uh, I'm not the type of person who would consider himself somebody who's um, depressed or anything along those lines. But as I turned 18 and as I got um, more well-versed in you know, what my undocumented experience was really going to be like, it was very traumatic. Because I realized I, I couldn't go to school. I had no job prospects. My family didn't have money. Um, there was little hope for anything. And I did not want to engage in, you know, criminal or nefarious activity. So to me, I, you know, I, I very much wanted to do things by the book. But unfortunately, um, when I had gotten married early on in, in my marriage, you know, my wife was working three jobs. And, you know, she was bearing all of the way of, you know, my, my, my struggle. And one day when I was at home, um, just the gravity of everything was too much for me. And I, I remember I, I, you know, I kissed her and said, you know, have a good day at work and, and stuff like that. And I started to wash the dishes. And it was in the washing of the dishes that these thoughts started to dwell in my mind, which were, you're not good enough. No one's gonna gonna want you. I mean, you can't even get like papers. Um, some of the other thoughts that ran through my mind were like, "You're trash. You're garbage. Um, there's no hope for you here in the United States." Like, all these types of thoughts started to run through my mind, and as I was washing the dishes, like I was overcome by the experience. I started to cry, tears welled up in my eyes, and I just lost my thought. It was a really weird experience where I had no control of my thoughts. I, I, I it, it, it felt like they were running free, free to think and do and be whatever they, they wanted. And as I was wash, washing the dishes, I had a knife. And one of the thoughts that popped into my mind was, why would you continue to put your wife through that much torment? Why, why would you be okay with her working three jobs while you stay at home? You're not good enough. 
and I was holding one of the knives that we were, you know, that we had in the kitchen, and I had, a, and the thought ran into my, ran through my mind that you should just end it, just end your life. No one's gonna miss you. It, it doesn't matter. You might as well just do it. And I stood in in the middle of my kitchen, holding this knife, crying trying to understand how I could deal with these emotions and thoughts. I, I was very vulnerable and I was very impressionable in terms of what I wanted to do and how I would get there. And as I stood there with this knife crying in the middle of my kitchen, thinking where I could inflict the most damage, another thought popped in my mind, which was, if you end your life now, what's it, it, the thought that popped into my mind? I'm sorry for the for the little break. I'm trying to comprehend exactly what my thought was, what my thoughts were at that time, but it was along the uh, along the lines that like, if you if you end your life now. You're going to be doing more damage to those you'd leave behind than by you working through the struggle of being undocumented. And it was in that realization that, like, yeah, it's hard and it sucks to have to be undocumented. No job, no money, nothing. But that things would get better. Um, I realized that if I put myself to work and I really, really worked hard at trying to get to my end goal, which my end goal was to become an American citizen and to get an education, then that was the goal that would help me to not kill myself. And so I sat the knife down, called my wife and told her what I had experienced. Obviously that, you know, triggered a lot of, you know, concern for her and stuff like that. But, um, but I needed to let her know exactly where my state of mind was at that time. And so I was able to kind of get over it. Um, I was able to kind of work my, my way out of this struggle. But the reality is that there's hundreds of thousands of young people like me at that time who maybe aren't in the, in the right position to be able to work through their struggles themselves, who aren't in the right mental frame to be able to overcome them, to be able to overcome those negative thoughts. Um, and there, that happens all too often, and it continues to happen. And again, it's not just something that's specific to the undocumented community. We're talking about mental health issues that permeate across cultures, across immigration statuses, across nationalities. I mean, we're talking about an issue that affects millions of people and unfortunately, there are millions of people who know how to hide it really well. So I did some research in preparation for this podcast, um, and I found a couple of really interesting things. So, so as it pertains to the undocumented experience and health issues, mental health and stuff like that, this is what I found. So studies have shown that in the United States, immigrants and particularly people without documentation 
faced disproportionately higher rates of mental health issues compared with the general population. Specifically, there was a study that was published in the Journal of Consulting and Clinical Psychology in 2017 by Professor Garcini and his colleagues, and they found that undocumented Mexican migrants have a significantly higher risk of developing symptoms of anxiety and depression compared with the general population. Data from clinical interviews with 248 people in this situation, particularly those who lived in the California-Mexico border, revealed that as many as 23% met the diagnostic criteria for a mental health disorder. 14% met the criteria for a major depressive disorder, while 8% and 7% reported symptoms consistent with panic disorders and generalized anxiety disorders, respectively. In another study um, done by Professor Garcini and his colleagues, Um, This one was actually published in the Journal of Traumatic Stress uh, in 2017, indicated that 82.7% of 248 undocumented Mexican uh, migrants living near the border reported a history of trauma. So what this means is that these traumatic events, which can include experiencing violence, witnessing violence, or living in a context of poverty, these participants who had experienced these types of traumatic events were around 47%, um, were about 47% uh, met the, the clinical uh, criteria for psychological distress. Whereas um, along those same, in that same study, 59% had experienced domestic violence or another form of bodily injury. 56% had witnessed violence, while 55% of those lived in poverty, and 53% had witnessed violence towards a loved one. And lastly, in a more recent uh, study that was performed in 2019, uh, uh, research was led by George Mason University's College of Health and Human Services, found that undocumented Latina immigrants meet Uh, meet the threshold for post-traumatic stress disorder um, at a rate of nearly four times, around 34%, the rate of civilian women in America, which is around 9.7%. So all of this this stands to reinforce what I experience, which is that when you're an undocumented person, you experience a trauma that is hard to reconcile because it's not only a trauma that is difficult to discuss with people, but if you discuss it with the wrong person, there is this fear of de- deportation. There is a fear of the effects of sharing with your with sharing with somebody how you're feeling and it having negative repercussions on your immediate family. So all too often, you know, people are more inclined to hide these feelings they're more inclined to engage in uh, you know additional behaviors and activities to suppress these feelings but the reality is these types of emotions whether it's you know issues of PTSD or mental health depression suicidal tendencies all these things they need to be brought up they need to be discussed they need to be fixed they need to be um, dealt with in a healthy manner and all too often, it's hard to find the right solution or find the right person to help you navigate how to overcome these types of, of situations. For me, 
Every time I sought help for my mental health, I was met with professionals and experts who did not know what I was going through, or they would say that they did not know how to help me. They would help me as far as their training permitted, but it was always the incorrect solution. I mean, I can't really blame them because, I mean, how many therapists do you know, or that I know, um, who know what it's like to live in the shadows, to survive or to provide for your family or their family? Probably not that many. I mean, how many know what it's like to live a lie every day of their life, fearing that if they tell the wrong person the reality of their status, their family could be deported? And I'm not saying that there aren't any therapists or psychologists or professionals today, but in the early 2000s, it was not a service that I could find, at least not in Utah, where most of the population are conservative citizens with mixed opinions regarding immigrant um, undocumented uh, statuses. So for me, I learned that to move forward with my life, I needed to find a healthy way to suppress these feelings. So I became really good at hiding how I felt. I learned that it was best to remain neutral about everything, especially when it came to things like politics. So the fewer reasons I gave others to question who I am or where I came from, the easier it became to hide my actual status. I learned, however, that nothing is free and everything has a cost. And so for me, the cost of hiding who and how I felt was grand. Although I had learned to master hiding myself and my feelings subconsciously, my mind was preparing itself to collect the emotional invoices that, that had uh, piled up. So one morning while I was driving to work, I came across an audio segment of a YouTube video for you know young dreamers, young undocumented individuals um, who were brave enough to share their story. And there was a gal from Poland, I believe, somewhere in, in Eastern Europe, who was sharing her story of what it was like to live in the United States undocumented. And so the gal shared an experience that really resonated with me because I had experienced the same thing too. And it was in that moment that I was overcome with emotion. My eyes started to swell up. I started to cry uncontrollably. I lost control of my breathing, my hands, my limbs, my lips. They all went numb. And my heart felt like it was going to rip out of my chest. And all this was going on while I was driving. So with the little consciousness that I, I had, I pulled over into an empty parking lot and let this and let this wave the tsunami wave of emotion pass. I called a friend who helped me work through what I was feeling in that moment. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had had a panic attack. And I had never experienced this before, at least not to that scale. I mean, I had always known fear, but this was different. For the first time in my life, I realized that the impact of keeping things bottled up. It is not healthy, nor is it good for us, especially for us dreamers, to have to continuously deal with these issues. For us dreamers, we need to heal. We need to rely on one another to talk about our shared experiences and support one another as we navigate our lives. I have known and heard of many young undocumented people who have taken their lives because of the stress of the undocumented experience being too much for them. And no human can live their entire life in a constant state of fear and panic. 
And so for me, something that really helped me to overcome the feelings of worthlessness and shame was reading the Bible. So one day I was reading in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 through 20, where God states that in his eyes, the child does not bear the, the father's iniquity, neither does the father bear the iniquity of the child or the son. And I interpreted that to mean that God is going to judge me for my actions and what I do with my life. And it's not my parents' fault that it's it's not my fault that my parents brought me to the United States, nor is it my responsibility to bear that weight. And so I learned in that moment that I am in control of my destiny. And although my journey through life hasn't been easy, all things are made possible because of God. So this gave me a new outlook on life. It gave me hope and comfort that I am in control of my future, whatever it may be. And at 32 years of age, I still deal deal with many themes related to the undocumented experience. But I now understand the importance of healing and finding peace. It is so important to learn that our status does not define the worth of our being. Just because others may tell us we're not good enough or that we are being punished because of, a choi- because of the choices made by our parents, that does not have to define us or what we can become. So to the dreamer community listening to this podcast or to those who are not dreamers, not undocumented, but can understand what this experience might feel like, the reality is we're all humans and we all aspire for a better life. So if you have a dream, go after it. If you aspire to live a better life than the one you were given, then go get it. No one can tell you that you're not good enough because only you know your true worth. And it is my personal philosophy, or I guess you could say my mantra, where I believe that the supreme creator of us all did not design this human experience to only benefit a select few. It's my opinion that we all have equal access to the blessings of life. And as dreamers, we have to work a little harder to get them, but they're there. And so to wrap up this podcast, um, I want to provide some resources for those listening to this podcast and encourage you all to seek help. If you're still trying to figure out what being undocumented means to you and trying to navigate how to overcome the emotions that you're experiencing, especially when it pertains to things like suicide, There is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is available 24 hours in both English and Spanish. The phone number is 1-800-273-8255. I've also come across additional resources. Um, One is called the Undocu Healing Project. The email is undocuhealingproject at gmail.com. I'll spell that for you. It's U-N-D-O-C-U-H-E-A-L-I-N-G p-r-o-j-e-c-t at gmail.com and this is an initiative aimed at helping undocumented young people receive holistic healing um, to achieve emotional physical mental and spiritual well-being uh, specifically to those living in california there is another resource that i came across called the trevor project their hotline is or their hotline number is 1-866-488-7386 And this national organization provides crisis intervention and suicide prevention services for young, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning individuals um, between the ages of 13 to 24. Um, So if you find yourself within that category, please reach out to these organizations as well as 
um, you know, your local resources, if you know where they, what those are, um, please, uh, find help wherever it may be. And again, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you an avenue to share with me and with fellow individuals, your experience and your story and how we can help one another to overcome these challenges. Because the reality is the future is bright. There's so much out there for us to take advantage of. And as I develop in this um, podcast experience with you, you'll come to hear and learn more about my story and how it could serve as, you know, a, a representation of what is possible if you, you know, work through the hard stuff. Because I'll tell you what, my life has not been easy, but I've been able to achieve the, the, the milestones and goals that I've set for myself. And so on that note, please continue to engage with others, share your story, help them realize, help others better yet realize what is possible when, you're, when you put your mind to something and you're willing to work through the adversities at hand. So I look, to, uh, I look forward to, to conversing with you on the next podcast. The next one is, is great. I think you're going to really enjoy the topic, the topic and the subject matter. And um, we'll see you on the next one.